This is the Horse Radio Network. The countdown to Tokyo 2020 is on. This week, we're talking to a horse gal who took it upon herself to make our sport more environmentally conscious. Also, the jury is in. Turnout actually reduces the risk of injury, science says. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome, Welcome to Happy, to Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 89 of Heels Down Happy Hour. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. How's it going? Good. Oh, I'm just living the Amazon over here. I was going to say, I feel like Justine and I are finally like cooler than Ellie and in the middle of summer. Well, that and it's been raining for the past like three weeks, basically the whole time. So we, Matt and I both took the week off to cut hay. That's not happening. I was going to say, did you get hay cut? Nope. Good thing we didn't because it'd be rotten by now. Yeah. Oh, what a pain though. Like that's so stressful. Yeah, definitely. So Jess, at this time, is Doug still trapped Mm -hmm. in an airport? He is currently. So, you know, we guys, we pre-record this and Doug has been having all this flight issues to get to Tokyo. And I was telling Justine earlier, he is actually literally on the plane, but they have not taken off yet. So I will tell you guys, this is Tuesday and he was supposed to be there this morning. It's been like a big cluster, but he is in the plane and they're supposed to be taking off that hopefully he gets there by like 10 o'clock German time, or I guess he lands at like eight, but at the farm in Germany in Aachen tomorrow, Wednesday in the morning. All right. So fingers fingers crossed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Eagle Gold. Right now, if you order an Eagle Gold pad, you can be entered to win a personalized drawing by a, a very cool equine portrait artist. Her name is Haley Sullivan. And all you have to do is order your pad before August 7th to be entered into this contest. That's you super can, cool. It is so cool. She's a very talented artist. I've um, already checked out all her artwork and you can see more examples of her work if you go to ecogold.ca. So what a cool little gift to have like a personalized portrait of your own horse just by buying an Gold pad. And does that, just to clarify for everybody, is that any pad, doesn't matter if it's secure or um, any of those? Yep. Any, just any EcoGold purchase made on the website at ecogold.ca up until August 7th. Looks like I need another EcoGold. Right. This is a good (laughs) excuse, right? (laughs) All right, Ellie, what are we drinking this week? Okay. So it's called the Clover Club. So here, here's what we got. We got two ounces of gin, about an ounce of lemon juice, about an ounce of simple syrup, and then three to five fresh raspberries, and then one egg white. So you're going to add all your ingredients together in your, your tin shaker and shake them for five seconds, then whip the egg, add ice, seal the tin, and then shake it again, uh, and then you strain it. Put it in your little martini glass, express a lemon peel over the top of the foam for aroma, and then you can either guard it or garnish it or discard it, and then you pop in your raspberries. That sounds super refreshing. I'm not a big gin drinker, but this does sound really good. 
That's what I mean. Like, I'm not a gin drinker, but that actually sounds like really refreshing. I don't know if I, I need to like get behind the egg white, you know? Oh, I'm, I'm fine I'm with that. I'm not sure what the egg white does other than add the froth. It's the froth. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So, I mean, you could do it without the froth. I feel like that's right. We, no, we need the froth. I like it. My, it it makes fancy. it bougie. Yeah, it makes yeah. it bougie. Yeah. <laughs> it does. <laughs> All right. Jess, what do you have for news for us? So I am taking a play out of Justine's book, and I'm bringing the science news this week. So, And she might have some, too, but I'm bringing it for sure. Whereas this really cool, it was an undergrad at Centenary College or Centenary University that is actually, when we lived in Jersey, it wasn't too far away. Uh, this girl, Abigail, and an assistant professor brought all these findings to the Equine Science Society last or this past year and said, basically, there's an association between tendons, turnout, and fitness. So it was actually really interesting that they are saying that by simply providing your horse with more turnout, you can actually reduce the risk of potential tendon, ligament, all kinds of damage just because they're saying that if you... Turn them out that the thick collagen fibers end up building strength and giving it more when they don't have much give. And that basically, if you turn them out, and it kind of makes sense to me that if they're basically like moving around more, they're getting more fitness and they're not stuck in the stall. And so the more fitness and the more moving around and also just the not being on a solid surface that they're moving around like in the paddocks, it's not always a flat surface. You know, they have holes, they have all this like little divots and that together actually helps build the tendon and fiber strength. So uh, tendon and ligament strength. So basically they're saying that if you turn the horse out for more than 12 hours, that it actually decreases the risk of any major damage within a horse that's in a stall for less than 12 or more than 12 hours. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that's great news and it's something, you know, every horse owner weighs, right? Like how do you help them not get injured? And I think most people assume that they get, you know, that most of their injuries come from the pasture, right? But. Well, I think it depends. So like for us, we try to give ours as much turnout as possible because that is kind of our belief is that they're moving around. It's not always perfect footing. So it builds like, you know, their tendon and ligaments to build the strength that they need to not always be on perfect footing when we have to go cross country or when we gallop and all that, it builds all that. But we don't turn out certain ones aren't allowed on night turnout because they just can't handle it. And so if they're going to be manic and they're going to be crazy, then we turn them out on what we call like limited or watch turnout. And if they can handle it for a couple more hours in the daytime, every day, maybe it's two hours, maybe it's six hours. That's better than nothing. But the majority of ours, we try to kick out unless they're the special ones where they just can't handle it. And some can't, which is fine. But you know, majority of ours seem to be completely fine with being out at night and loving it. Yeah. And it's cooler. I've always had a theory too, that, you know, on top of the uneven ground, right? Like if you have a horse that only gets to go out twice a week, right? It's going to play a lot harder those two days a week than it is if it goes out every single day, right? So you're reducing your injury there because they're not going to be quite as manic. Um, no, ours go outside and barely run. I mean, they're yeah. like, no thanks. It's yeah, not even just worth kinda, it. Kind of fizzle out. They're like, uh, just except for Q. Q is always an idiot, just bucking by himself. Nobody ever joins him. 
the morning horses, like if somebody drives up like a UPS truck or whatever that, or, you know, the tractor or something, that's why they're kind of on watch turnout is so that you can see if they lose it. Cause sometimes when they lose it, they just like, can't ever get it back. So that's why they're on that morning turnout. But everybody else, like the night ones, like we had fireworks the other night, like we're standing out there like watching them because it was far away fireworks, but we're like watching them, making sure like one horse lifted her head up. That was it. Like everybody else was like, I'm just happy eating grass. Please don't talk to me. Please don't bring me in because we bring them in if they're like bad storms and that. So they like get a little bit like, oh gosh, we don't have storms. Please don't bring us inside. We want to stay out because they love it. I mean, most of ours do really appreciate night turnout. Yeah, mine goes out all night and he hurts himself just as much in the stall as he does in the pasture. Yeah, there's no, he just needs bubble wrap, you know. Yours isn't going to help if it's outside or inside. Nope. So, Ellie, what do you have for us? So, I have been looking a lot for clients uh, for in the horse market right now. And I found this really cool article in the Chronicle of the Horse about this woman's experience with the horse market right now, which for those of you who aren't horse shopping, it is insane. Absolutely insane. Like, you know, horses you could have gotten for $500 two years ago are now selling for close to five grand. Like it's, it's insane. Like, especially the yearlings and stuff right now, at least um, I've been looking specifically for, you know, Western, but this woman was talking about horses are going like before they even are listed officially, you know, they'll post an ad on Facebook, which I know Facebook, you know, doesn't want us to do, but we also do it. And, you know, it'll say sold like the next day, or you'll be going out to try a horse one day and the owner will text you and say, I just got asked or offered, you know, three over purchase price sight unseen. Like it's crazy. No one wants to do trials anymore. Like it, I just, I was baffled. So I'm glad to hear that it's, it's not just a me thing. They do uh, predict that hopefully by the fall, you know, everything will kind of come back to normal um, in the market, at least they're kind of saying that, you know, the market's reflective of, you know, the economy right now, like everything is expensive. Like I can't get my hands on plywood right now to save my life. But, and also just because of everything with the pandemic, right. Um, equestrian sports are something that you know are more socially distant than a lot of the sports that were canceled um so they are kind of speculating that more people are coming in to the industry which is great um but not great because they are really hiking up the prices on these horses well it's Uh, been demand it's the demand we see it all over the place i mean i had We've had several sell and stuff, but you're also not seeing people. So in the hunter jumper and somewhat in the eventing market, people used to go abroad and buy horses and now they can't do that and they can't even go make the trip or whatever else. So then if you want to sit on it, you're having to buy in the States now, which is totally fine, but it's driven the demand up 1000 times. Like, I mean, I had a client, I'm on both sides of the deal of the situation. I was selling for a client and I had another client looking at the horse and, you know, she said, somebody was like, oh yeah, well, five years ago, that's way overpriced. And I said, yeah, but unfortunately right now, like that's this the good rate of these horses. Yeah. And I was like, I hate to be the one to tell you that, but I was like, it is just what it is right now. Like it is so expensive. And you know, the lady that she had 
asked about hasn't been in the industry in a couple of years. And I was like, a couple of years right now makes a huge difference because it is nuts what is happening with the industry. Like price of horses are so expensive. Yeah. And and like you said, gearlings and weanlings and all those, like they're going for top dollar right now. Yeah. And not even the ones that are bred well. That's the scary part is like a horse that like, like a serviceably sound lesson horse you can't even find right now. Like lesson programs, they said in this article, they're struggling to maintain their stock because they just like, they're going like, so if any of you guys want to sell your horse, now is the time. (laughs) Right. But uh, for those of you looking. um, Yeah. I mean, if you have a good horse, it's yeah, it's (laughs) next to impossible to find a really good horse. So when do you think that will cool off like anything else, you know, like eventually that's got to even out just when you think people can go back to Europe to. to I think when everything starts to open back up, I mean, so we live in a different world right now, so everything's pretty open, but the rest of the world is not. And so I think that, you know, for us right now, I don't think it's necessarily about everybody that has to go over and buy in Europe. It's just the increased cost of everything has driven demand up because they're like, screw it. Like they say that you can't get a pool in most big cities. Obviously I don't know this because I'm not trying to buy a pool. This is just the rumors. But if you're trying to get a pool, it's like a year wait to get a pool or something crazy. And so I think it's the demand for everybody being able to stay at home and doing all these things. So they're like, look, we'll buy more things and invest in this. And it made the demand for everything go up. I mean, including the same thing as like plywood and lumber. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of crazy. I think till everything calms down throughout the whole world, I don't think you're going to see these go away. And I mean, I hope that it goes back down a bit, but I'm actually not sure that sometimes, you know, when like it all stays up, they're just like, oh, well, this is the price. And it just kind of plateaus there for a bit. So I'm hoping it goes back down, but I'm not sure about that. That's what the amateur said in this article. She said, you know, my 15 grand budget is considered low right now. Oh yeah. I, and that's I'm, nuts. Yeah. Insane. I'm like, that is a, that is like two vehicles. I mean, not right yeah. now. Cause those are up too. Yeah. Those are up too. I mean, like this is the whole problem with the situation. Somebody stopped Matt while he was driving in a parking lot and asked to buy his pickup truck. What? Seriously? Cause yes. trucks are crazy expensive right now. Yeah. They are insane. I, I hadn't realized, but yeah, so it's, it's crazy right now. I'm kind of like, hold on, make sure all your horses are uh, microchipped because this is scary, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it is crazy. All right, so Justine, what do you have? So I have a weather-related story. Oh. So you might have read this already. It's kind of been in the news, but the Tokyo Games are going to be a hot one. Um, oh, Okay. It kind of the weather patterns kind of remind me of um, what we saw at the World Equestrian Games and Tryon. It's just going to be hot and it's going to be humid. It's um, going to be worse than that. You think worse than twenty mm-hmm. eighteen? Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's yeah. just going to be hot. It's crazy. Um, you know, it is summer. It's the summer games, so you kind of expect the weather to be warmer, right? But um, so uh, Reuters did a really interesting graphic, uh, like comparing weather patterns to in Tokyo and around the rest of the world and just like just how humid it's going to be. So 
during the time of um, the Olympics, like when it's happening, Tokyo has like a, a very high humidity rate, which is really interesting. I, I guess I just never really thought about their weather patterns. You know, when you think about them hosting an Olympic Games, you're, I'm not thinking of like, what's the weather going to be like <laughs> while they're there? But but yeah, like riders are really in for some serious conditions. Just how has Doug prepared? I mean, you guys are in the South, so I, I'm sure the horses are kind of used to that, right? But I mean, I think that, yes, we're in the South and they're used to the um, summer heat and everything else. And we're very thankful that Van Diver was bred in Alabama. So he's completely used to the summers, like even wow. worse than where we're at. But also like that kind of played into mind of how they run. You know, I had a horse that would run all day long, but he ran on high temperatures. So in hot, hot weather, even though we were in Alabama when I had him, I couldn't ride him that hot. So right. I just couldn't do it. So he wouldn't be that type of horse. And so we're very thankful that like Quinn comes in, we, they put it at Virginia at Great Meadows for the mandatory outing so that everything would be kind of hotter temperature and everything else. And he got off the track and it looked like he hadn't even started. He came in at 101. Like it was not even a temperature. Like, and you're like, okay, well, I guess you're fine. I mean, literally finished cross country at like barely 101. And you're like, that's not even a temperature. So that's the type of horse that you want going to Tokyo. You don't want them coming in at, you know, 90 degrees off a four or five minute track that Gray Meadow at 105, 106. Like that's just really, really not safe. So they, I think I can't testament to all the rest of the horses, but I know that it's really kind of been adamant for us that he is definitely the horse to go because he's, he's the prime horse in that kind of conditions. Because also the thing is, is that barns are air conditioning. So they Mm -hmm. leave the air conditioning barns and then have to like, you know, get accustomed to the temperature. So they have to be able to go back and forth with, you know, as little as stress as possible. So I don't that think very that it's stressful gonna, though. Wow. I don't think it's going to really be a huge factor in the, I mean, some factor obviously in the dressage or the show jumping, but they do ship over to the venue of cross country. So they will actually get accustomed to the weather more than that. But still like, I mean, it is nice that it's air conditioning and everything for them, but it is going to be a lot on them. Right. So I know Demi McDonald with the U.S. dressage team, you know, she was quoted this week saying how the team prepared and competed in Wellington through the summer, like in yeah. June, you know, yeah. like in our hurricane season. Yeah. Uh, just to get them ready for that heat and humidity, though, I think a lot, with a lot of the Olympic rides for your dressage, it'll be in the evenings. Right. Like, I don't think they'll be competing in the heat of the day at, like some of the eventing horses will be. I, I really don't know. I. I'm not sure the schedule. So that will be the interesting part of what they do weather wise with, you know, scheduling wise. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting because they can't do it all at night. You know, there's a lot of horses, even in the right. dressage. Right. So right. it will be interesting to see what the time schedule is like and what they do for each discipline. So it will be interesting, but who knew you should be in like California or Seattle training. Cause that's like one seventeen right now. Yeah, seriously. I mean, that's a good (laughs) point. Crazy. Wellington might not have been the place for them to go, but who would have guessed it? So, yeah, I think that everybody's doing the right thing and training and the, you know, hotter temperatures and stuff to get acclimated. So what's Aachen like, you know, on the other hand, because all the horses are staying there for now. So 
that wasn't a choice for preparation. So the Japanese government made all North, like a bunch of different countries, including North America actually have to quarantine. And I think it's South America too, and a couple others, but I know North America for sure had to go quarantine in a uh, approved site in mainland Europe. So they all picked Aachen. And so they're in Aachen, which is like freezing and cold right now. So that's not great. But it's, I mean, Aachen changes so much. So like you could see it be hot one day and cold one day. I think it fluctuates more than most places. So currently today when they were galloping, it was high fifties and raining or something like that. So I think that that's not really what's going to be the Tokyo, but honestly, the last couple weeks it's like most people know swimming and track and everything else like your your main fitness your main stuff has been produced in the last couple months and so now you're just making sure the horse is what it is and so i think that training in where they have been and everything in the heat is really what's going to pay off at the end gotcha so because i think yes it would be great but i mean you have to go to the approved site that the, the Japanese government will allow you to come into. So we don't, there's not really a choice. So right, I think right. it's, it's going to be interesting to see what the heat does on some of the other countries that don't have the ability to train in the heat. Like yeah, we have. Definitely. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. Well, shout out to everybody who donates to us on Patreon. We really appreciate all of you guys helping to contribute to us to continue to the show. Uh, we really enjoy hanging out with each other and with you guys. So if you are interested in donating, please go to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N slash HeelsDown.com and help us continue to uh, hopefully make you laugh and uh, keep you up to date. So, Jess, I wanted to ask you, I've noticed um, both in your feeds and Courtney's feeds that Quinn and the other horses in the barn are wearing Beamer blankets lately. And I don't know much about Beamer, like what it does, how it helps the horses. And I thought, this, uh, like, I'm wondering, is, is this something that Quinn will have at the Olympics to keep him comfortable and help him recover? If this is something you could tell us more about. So, yeah, we're super excited. We have used the PMF products before, whether it's just like the system itself where we've had people do it, but we've never been able to find a blanket. We've used the Horsewear Sports Vibe blanket, and that was really great, but it wasn't the PMF like technology and everything. And then all of a sudden we found the Beamer and we really love like the Beamer horse set because it is the PMF, but it's in a blanket that's lightweight. So you can put it and it works through the blanket. So if it's cold or if it's hot, whatever, you can put it over a blanket or a cooler or whatever else that's clean. So you don't have to wash it that many times and you can put it over and it has all the same values as the PMF gives it. So like basically our horses are able to recover faster during training, after training, like we use it before they go out dressage and after along with cross country and show jumping and just on a daily use, we use it because it definitely like just basically helps with their whole back. Like we tried it on, um, actually quantum was the first one we tried it on. And he's kind of just like this kind of quirky horse. He's great, but he's like just that kind of weird horse and doesn't really react to things. And we put it on him and all of a sudden he's like licking his lips and loving it. And we're like, what? Like, after we went cross country, like we tried it at a horse show, it was a friend of ours and we're like, oh my gosh, 
like, this is actually incredible. Like he loved it. And so we're super excited that they were able to take it with Quinn so that he could have it. And there's also, they have even how long he is, it's adjustable. So it will go from like a pony length all the way out to like fit Quinn, <laughs> like his back's like almost all the way to Texas, I think sometimes. And then also they have cuffs that go. So they call them cuffs, but they're leg boots and you turn them on and they're really just easy to use. And that's what was interesting to Courtney and I is like, yes, there's all these research, there's all this data and everything, but it has to be quick and easy for us because we have after 26 sources usually, and it's craziness. So the leg boots, I found it interesting because you can strap them together and have different uses. So you can put them over their neck. You can put them on like a specific site. You can put them on their legs. You can like kind of make them work for you. And that PMF system goes into that direct site. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, we just, we've been really, really happy with it. And it's easy. Like it comes in a little blanket box type thing and the cuffs fit in and it's just very portable in that sense. Do you have any other questions about it? I mean, we've seemed to like really, we haven't tried a ton of other ones, but all the other ones we've tried like seem to be heavy or, you know, they just for that reason didn't have the system that we were looking for or the PMF like kind of has to be all the other times, like we've had to hire somebody to come in and use it. And then this time the horses can actually use it kind of day to day and be pretty useful with it. Is it easy to travel with for you to like pack up and transport? It's so small. Like it goes into like this tiny little box. Like it's smaller than my suitcases, which I know don't say something because I have some of the biggest suitcases, (laughs) but it's like, it's like a small duffel and it's super lightweight and it's like really portable. Like it's super, super easy. Is it something that you really have to like monitor them when they're wearing it or is it something that they... No, we like put it over their blanket, tie them in their stalls, then it roll and stick it on them, turn it on. There's different settings, like up to, I think, 15 minutes. And then you just leave it on them and then check it and it's turned off. Hmm. Because that's the other ones. Like some of the people were like, oh, you have to stand with them. I'm like, well, I don't really have that many people that can stand with my horses for 15 minutes. (laughs) Like we're just... We don't have that ability. So it was nice that like you could throw it on at a horse show, turn it on, come back. It's already turned off. And like a lot of times we just put them in like the grooming stall or like the cross size that we've made at the horse show or at the barn and they wear it. And like my jumper loves it. He wears it all the time. Like he's obsessed with it. What about like, so I know you talked briefly about it, like after injury or illness, like have you used it on anything as like a, like a rehab kind of thing? Like how did it work in that setting? I had one that like the horse was like super weird in the back and like had to get done with a chiropractor a bunch and everything else. And he just was always stiff and we never injected him or anything else because the chiropractor would work. But then we started doing the Beamer blanket with the PMF more frequently. And we, he'd probably wear it four to five days a week. And then the chiropractor would come in and be like, wow, he looks amazing. Like, what'd you do? And I'm like, nothing thing different except for put the beamer on him and they're like wow like it really does help just relax them and everything else and i think he just would get so tight and tense that mm-hmm. he just needed that relaxation and everything else to help him okay yeah so he I- wasn't actually like hurt but it did the Cairo would be like look he just needs something and so we were like well we tried this and it seems to work so we were really oh, happy everything 
everything helps and right. everything helps them and like not having to inject them is awesome. So, cause you know, if that's avoidable, that's even better. All right, everybody. I'm really excited to introduce our guest on the show this week. It's Stephanie Bolger, who is born and raised in New York City. You might know her name because in 2018, she founded Green is the New Blue after seeing a troubling lack of awareness of environmental concerns around the horse show circuit. So Stephanie has shown and owned some of the country's top show hunters, and she currently competes in the amateur owner hunters while cheering on her own Grand Prix horses. Her goal is to make the world a greener place for herself, for her family, and for the horses she loves so much. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, nice to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So I feel like I first talked to you I mean, gosh, it might have been in 2018 when Green is the New Blue was just starting. And I, I wonder, so. yeah, I wonder if we could start back then. Like, what inspired you to start this initiative? Sure. Well, it was a real, like, cliche light bulb moment. I was actually at a horse show, um, hand walking one of my horses, taking him out for some grass. And it was such a beautiful day. It was one of those days where you just are very happy to be with horses outside and not sitting in an office or sitting indoors. And I remember just like taking a deep breath and saying, God, I'm so lucky to be here. And then looking down at the ground and there was garbage everywhere. There were cigarette butts and bottle caps and bits of bailing twine, you name it. There was just a lot of trash. And we ended up having not a relaxing graze at all because I was sort of jerking my horse around trying to get him away from all of the crap, excuse my language, that was all over the ground. And then I started realizing there were very few garbage cans around this show, much less recycle bins. There was not a single one. And it just kind of all hit me in that moment that at home in my day-to-day life, my family and I were taking pretty big steps toward being more sustainable and sorting our recyclables. We were bringing our reusable bags, our reusable coffee cups. We were saying no to plastic straws, little things here and there. And none of that was happening around the shows that I was attending. And I felt like something really needed to be done. So instead of just complaining about it, I started Googling and researching and figured out that there really wasn't anyone else out there doing this. And so that's kind of how the the idea was born. That is super cool. And so since that has happened, like where have you guys gotten into a bunch more horse shows since that one? Like how's it kind of grown since you started? Thank you. Well, it Um, It caught on really quickly, actually. I initially spoke to two very dear friends of mine, um, Jen Berger, who's sort of my equestrian idol. She's an amazing woman who, I mean, she's the president of the National Horse Show, and she's one of the founders of the Brandywine Summer Series. And she's one of the first people I spoke to. I sort of went to her like, I'm crazy, right? This is not a good idea. And she, her eyes got really big and she said, this is an amazing idea. You have to do this. And we want to do it at Brandywine. And so she looped in another friend of ours, whose name is Bill Rube. And he um, also said, this is incredible. This really has traction. We really want Brandywine to be a greener show. And then when a little bit of publicity started 
bubbling up, actually the Upperville Horse Show came to me. And Upperville, as some of you know, is the oldest horse show in America. And when they came to me and said they wanted to be green and do better, I was that for me was like a huge it's a huge motivation to that I was on the right track. And I was also like so honored and proud of the work that like this venerable, venerable, iconic horse show was interested in what I was doing. So Upperville was actually where we launched and followed up by Brandywine. And then that fall, we had a presence at the Pennsylvania National and the Washington International. And then it's just been growing from there. We have everything from the Sonoma Horse Park, the Desert Horse Park, the Split Rock Jumping Series, all the way to the Glen Eyre Equestrian Program. We have the College Preparatory Invitational, which is aimed more at young riders and intercollegiate riders. So we've kind of started spreading out and covering a real breadth of the sport, which is incredible for me. Yeah, so we were just at Split Rock and we oh. saw it everywhere and we were super excited. Yeah, so it's pretty awesome with this whole like initiative and everything else to see it places and to see it live and everything else. So it's it's pretty awesome because it just kind of reminds you everywhere and just to take a presence that you're like, okay, this is what it is. And, you know, even if you're not sure, it just kind of makes you take a step back and be like, wait, what is that? And then you find out more about it. So it's it was pretty awesome. We saw it at Split Rock in Kentucky uh, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I'm so glad. And that's such a valid point you made about, you know, the brand recognition and seeing it. And if you don't know what it's about, it might lead you to Google something or find us on social media. That was a big part of my, the impetus behind the living jump. So I don't know if you all saw that in the hunter ring. Um, It was a concept that I developed in the last, within the last year. When I noticed at the end of WEF, um, all of the flower boxes that had been very well used throughout the 12-week circuit, um, all of those plastic flowers had sort of shed their petals. And it was just this pile of plastic, brightly colored plastic petals. And I was thinking to myself, my gosh, you know, back in the day, the decoration for hunter jumps were living plants or natural plants. They're all natural yeah, there were nothing plastic. Mm-hmm. Nothing, no. And then I thought there are some incredible jump builders and course designers like Bobby Murphy. And we have a relationship with Javin Dolman. And we sort of said, you know, where did we've we've gone so far astray from the history of hunters um, with these plastic jumps? And so many of these shows are in really beautiful places, especially in the spring and summertime, with incredible natural elements that we can put in the fence. So thanks to Javin Dolman, he designed the living jump, which has slots for living plants that are native to the area to be sort of just popped in and removed. And um, so for instance, at Brandywine and at Junior Hunter Finals, which is happening right now, the living jump was decorated by the, the nursery that's one block away from the Devon showgrounds. And when the show is over, those plants can either be sent back to the nursery, someone can take them home, or they can be planted somewhere on the showgrounds, which will just add to the beauty of the show. It will attract insects and pollinators, which will increase the biodiversity of the area. 
And it just looks really beautiful and cool and natural. And everyone's been posting their Instagram on their Instagram photos of their horses jumping that jump. And um, it just invited really, really, really pretty jumps. So I'm thrilled that you guys noticed it. And um, yeah, <laughs> they are really stunning. I wanted to ask you about some of the other initiatives. Um, yeah, I have the refuse to use and the conserving water. Which one do you think has been like the best received? Um, by the community? I would say both in different ways. I think one of the things I'm really proud of with the water conservation and the green tips um, has been that we do all of our signage in English and Spanish. We are really cognizant that there's an amazing workforce in our industry of men and women from Latin America and um, to really make sure that we are inclusive of them is something I'm really proud of. And certainly the grooms that I know have been really appreciative of the fact that we took that time and they've said like, oh, you know, that hose is leaky or, um, you know, that faucet doesn't turn all the way off. And they feel empowered to either tell who they work for or go to the horse show office or tell someone on the grounds crew about a problem at the water spigot. And that's huge because at a huge festival like um, the Winter Equestrian Festival or at the Kentucky Horse Park, for instance, that can mean a difference of, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gallons of water. Right. Absolutely. So, Stephanie, why is this mission important to you? Obviously, it's um, it's a big one and and you're you're making some significant strides in the horse industry. But just curious why why this specific initiative? Well, I think it can be very daunting the the problems going on and when you see climate change happening in front of your eyes as you said when you introduced me earlier I have a son he's six and I'm, I am scared for his future and for what we as his parents are leaving behind for him and but with all of that being said, I was very daunted and I didn't know where to begin. And I wanted to change everything about my whole life and everyone around me. But I realized I can only do so much. So instead of feeling overwhelmed and throwing in the towel, I felt like I could make a change sort of in my own backyard and starting with the sport I love. And, you know, the barn is where I spend the most time. And horse people are the people I spend the most time with. And it's an industry I'm really passionate about. So what should riders be aware of and what can they do to help make the sport a more sustainable place? And I guess my specific question is specifically barn owners. How can I reduce my impact? You know, I, actually, my dump just stopped for taking uh, shaving bags. Um, mm. So I'm going to have to try to find a place where I can get in bulk. But what what can the average amateur, the average professional be doing to help reduce their personal impact? That's a great question. Well, I would say two things. I would say if you have any green practices at home already, you should be bringing them with you to the barn and to shows. I always have some cutlery and forks and paper or cloth napkins and reusable straws littering the bottom of my purse because it's just in my habit now to always bring that kind of stuff with me. And it's made a huge difference when I go to shows and I have to grab something to go. I can't always bring a reusable container, but if I have to use, you know, get like a salad and a plastic container, I don't feel as guilty because I have 
a metal fork that I brought from home. And that I found that as I started making changes, I didn't even tell anybody, but people around my barn started catching on. And I noticed fewer and fewer people bringing stopping at Starbucks or, you know, someone actually started just bringing, she hates to go coffee cups, but she, so she just brings a regular coffee mug with her. And somehow the coffee doesn't slosh out and spill all over the place. Um, but I find that good habits are contagious. So if you sort of model the behavior that you want other people to adopt, uh, just sort of walk the walk, I would say start there. And the other thing is like pick one or two things that really, really bother you or one or two things that really are difficult for you. So shavings bags is a huge one. I've had so many people write in with questions about what to do with them, how to dispose them, where to get bulk shavings. That's a great option. If you have place a place to store them, we don't. So we rely on shavings in plastic shavings bags. And I have tried almost every alternative bedding there is out there. My poor horses are the guinea pigs. I've tried hemp. I've tried coconut. I've tried cardboard and none of it worked. It it was either much more expensive. My waste removal company wouldn't take it. So it not only was it more expensive to buy, it was much more expensive to dump. So it's a big problem actually um, of of shavings themselves and the shavings bags. So I think enough people are troubled by it that it's time for the shavings companies themselves to start figuring out a different way to package their product. When I was a kid, the shavings came in paper bags and one of our like barn rat chores when we were kids was to cut the bags to make wraps for poultice. Um, yep. <laughs> and now, we, now they sell sort of like craft paper color poultice wrap in a roll and the shavings are packaged in plastic. And I'm just shaking my head thinking if you just wrapped, you know, wrapped everything in the cardboard paper again, that would eliminate two different products in one. But in any case, I think shavings bags is a huge issue. And if you're troubled, talk to your company, say, I can no longer use your shavings because my waste removal company cannot process these bags. So you're losing a customer because of your packaging. I think if you hit the company where it matters to them in their in their wallet, then they might be motivated to make changes. Thank you so much. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a call. Yeah, right. <laughs> and thank you, Stephanie, for coming on. This was great. Thanks well, for coming thank on. This was me. awesome. <laughs> Thanks. You came, you rode, you probably stayed on, and you probably hate my radio voice. The Heels Down Horse Show Hangover Kit helps you get from your last class on Sunday back to work on Monday feeling refreshed. Pick up one as a gift for yourself at your local tax shop or in the Heels Down shop. We had some listeners want to ask you a couple questions about Britannia Olympics and different things like that. So first off, like, how does it feel being bumped from alternate on the team to making the list? It is, in some ways, I guess a relief, because I think the alternate's job is probably the most difficult that there is. They have to be ready to go up to two hours prior to every phase throughout the whole competition. So I think that's going to be really, really mentally taxing. Um, and, of course, heading all the way across the world, you'd love to ride everything. So um, obviously that's a pretty big honor. So try and make the most of it. 
And is there any chance to celebrate or will this just be like the most non-celebratory Olympics in the history of everything? Because do you guys, you don't do an opening ceremony or closing ceremony, correct? I don't think there's any of that. Um, I can't imagine celebrating a whole ton before the Olympics anyway. Like I I would, I don't know, I have kind of like low grade nervousness up until we're finished. So um, I would expect regardless what the status is, we're going to be celebrating afterwards. And then we had a listener, I actually really love this question, and she's like, I just wanted to ask an adventure this question as a jumper rider. How do you walk the course like water jumps? Like, do you do it in waterproof boots? Or she wants to know if you ride a kayak across Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. kayak's my preferred method of transportation. Um, difficult to see a distance off a kayak. Uh, normally, I would say waterproof boots, so you got like, you know, more or less knee length stuff, because the water's not all that deep really or if it's super hot like maybe it will be here well it's going to be super hot in tokyo um and packing was challenging so probably just pull your sheets off and walk barefoot i was gonna say i've watched you walk several courses and just pull up your if you have shorts on or pants and you just walk them in like just your bare feet so i've definitely seen that multiple times and then um this is an awesome one that i really like which international rider are you most looking forward to competing with this might come off wrong, but I'm going to say none because I would like to think that regardless who's in the ring, I think getting wrapped up and thinking, oh, that's so-and-so or so-and-so over there, to me, at least personally, it would be more detrimental and sort of removing focus from the job at hand. So not really looking forward to any particular person. I mean, it's obviously a huge honor to be there and be among everyone, but the goal is and and the job is really just do the best we can with Quinn. Okay, so off that, spin off to that, is there going to be any particular, are you going to try to watch a ton? Like, are there certain people that you've never seen in real life that you're pretty interested in? I know you haven't really even seen the list in depth and stuff, but is there somebody that you're like, maybe that'd be really cool to watch them do dressage or show jump if there was possible? I think it's a pretty well-packed list. So right? I think it's more, <laughs> be more just watching whomever it is in the ring if it's something, I mean say i went second day of the dressage obviously going to watch all the u.s people and if there's a few around that might be really good that are conveniently timed then we'll take a look there too um but um it won't be something that's like appointment viewing that i will only go watch one person okay and then i'll go ahead and answer this so somebody asked if the whole family is going so with this olympics they're only allowing two owners per horse along with courtney and doug so debbie and kevin are actually going to go which i'm super excited for them they're going they bred quinn van diver so we're excited that they're going to get to go and they get to watch uh as for me I kind of made the decision a while ago that I wouldn't be going because one, it would be like Debbie and I going in separate hotel rooms. And like, if anybody knows me sitting in a hotel room by myself kind of sounds pretty miserable to me. I don't really like to be by myself. So it's like, uh, no, that doesn't really sound fun. So as much as I, I'm super sad that I don't get to be there for Doug. And this is actually like the longest we'll probably have ever been apart, but um, we'll do a lot of FaceTime and everything else. And Doug's really good about videoing. So I'm sure I will see a ton if I don't see it on TV and everything, because whatever they stream, we'll be watching onto the next question. I'm either, um, going to go to Nashville and watch it with my family. It's my middle sister's birthday, or I might be going down to Aiken to watch it with our quarantine friends. I just haven't quite figured out where, but I will be with a bunch of friends and the kids can play with people. So that's where I watch the Pan Ams with my best friend and at the lake in Georgia. So I'll do something this similar, but she can't go to the lake this time. So we're going to change that. 
And Hudson also has the ability. He's this is his new favorite thing is like FaceTime, and then he air, airplays it up onto the TV. So yeah, there'll, there'll be a full size version of me in the TV. <laughs> he's already asked because we've like been prepping. You know, Daddy's going to Germany, and Daddy's going to go then to Tokyo to the Olympics. And he goes, oh, "That's great. I'm going to put GJ and Daddy up on the FaceTime together." And so I can't wait to find out how that works. But he thinks he's putting my mother and Doug on the TV at the same time to FaceTime him. So stay tuned. That should be interesting. And then basically what does a typical schedule look like for each day of the competition for horse and rider? And I guess you can kind of go in a little bit further. It's different. You guys are in quarantine and Aachen before going to Tokyo. So I'm assuming they're a little bit the same, but if you'll kind of go in depth for everybody there. I guess we just have to be a bit flexible. I don't know what restrictions we're going to have hours and that sort of thing. Quinn, generally speaking, prior to dressage would be always better if we can get him out in the morning. So I'm sure we'll have a chance to do that whether or how or what that exactly looks like. I don't quite know. For cross country, generally just go cold and show jump. We would probably do a little bit of uh, gymnastic sort of exercises first thing in the morning and then get ready for the actual round. So we're going to do our best to keep it as normal as possible and keep it as consistent as possible. And then do they assign you schooling times and how is it regimented at everything at the games? Um, I know there's extra restrictions with COVID, uh, so. Good question. We, we don't know yet, really. Yeah. Uh, in the pre-export quarantine, we have blocks of time that we're able to do different things, be it flat or jump or whatever it might be at the showgrounds there in Auckland. Um, so I'd assume it's going to be something similar idea, but we will know because I think that sort of thing, I don't know. So far, at least, it seems like that changes quite a bit. So somebody wants to know, what does your stable security look like? Do you have guards? And I wonder if they mean like with AK-47s or if they just mean like real guards, but yeah. maybe they're both. <laughs> that I do not know. Um, I will have to wait and see. I would be kind of surprised if we had armed guards, but maybe. I mean, who knows? I think the country is pretty well in lockdown, so I I wouldn't I wouldn't think a mass probably- would be an issue. Yeah, you probably only have one guard for the whole thing because right. there's nobody else allowed to go anywhere. So you might have even less restrictions. It will be very interesting. We'll have to ask a bunch of these questions and do like a follow-up afterwards, which would be pretty interesting. So um, this one is, what would you do to stay focused on the job with so much going on around you? Like, how do you keep your focus? So we are glorified carnies and we're on the road all the time. We're home probably two or three days a week, maybe. And so with that comes a whole ton of horses doing a whole ton of different things and a whole bunch of different people. So I think our life is particularly well suited to deal with it because I think we're just in a constant state of chaos. Um, Once I get on the horse, whatever it is of the day, I guess I've just had a lot of practice being able to shut everything else out and then just focus on, on that. So it can be, yeah, complete chaos. And then once I'm on and walk out of the door, then I would like to think that I'm pretty good at um, just sort of focusing on whichever horse that might be, what they need for the day and how to make the best of their performance. And that kind of, you know, goes into the next question. That is exactly, I think you kind of answered it of how you handle pressure. You do, you just kind of get on the horse and you stay focused and um, it's, actually pretty amazing that like as soon as you're on you're very focused and kind of lights go out about everything else and so that's the next thing like how nervous do you get is what they want to ask definitely get nervous but i think the i don't know me personally when not on the horse i 
I don't think it's awkward if we're not like joking around or doing something or talking or whatever. I mean, there's got to be something happening. And then, yeah, once we hop on, you know, then sort of game on. So then in some ways it's, it's kind of nice because it's a disjunction. So make a complete change. 180. Yeah. Go from like fun to all business kind of thing. So one last question, who do you think is everybody's biggest competition in the eventing Olympics? It's going to be very, very interesting to watch because with just the three team members, it makes it the competition a lot more wide open, I think, than it ever would have with four because anything could happen to anybody. But of course, I would say, I mean, England would be very strong. Germany, France. I mean, there's there's a lot. Uh, but everybody's bringing their hard hitters. I mean, I think oh. the U.S. is going to be competitive. It's like you said, I think it's going to be 100 percent anybody's game honestly yeah and and, and in an instant yeah. anything you go wrong with any horse and you're instantly in trouble Done. With that. yeah there is no drop score so it is going to make everything yeah. very interesting to watch you could sub your alternate in but there's a penalty that to the team so then all of a sudden you're out you know i mean it's you're you're if, if somebody were to have a a flag or a stop or got a bit of fall or something like that you're you're instantly out of um any sort of team contention, I would think. Like for medals. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on and joining us and we will all be cheering for you. So it's that time. It's Rose and Thorn. Are either of you ready or you want me to go? Why don't uh, you, you go? go Jeff. Yeah. Oh, that was unanimous really fast. So <laughs> um, mine is, I'll start with my Thorn. It's kind of the same, but kind of not. But anyways, my thorn would be that Doug is gone for like three and a half weeks. And that's the longest we've like never been together. So that's kind of sad. So he won't be able to be with us and the kids. But the rose is obviously that he is going to be at the Olympics. So it's a sacrifice that obviously like is a thorn I'll take. And on the other side of the rose, like a little bit of the selfish side of the rose is that I'm home for like a couple weeks, I might go watch the Olympics either in Aiken or, like I mentioned earlier, in Aiken or in Nashville. But I do have a couple weeks here at home, and I'm going to finish organizing my house. So I'm super excited about that. Whether it gets done or not, maybe it will be a rose or thorn for later. But <laughs> I have a lot of thought that I'm going to get it organized. So fingers crossed, my rose is that I organize my house and that. Doug wins Olympics, but those will be that. <laughs> All right, Ellie, what do you got? Okay. Well, so I did a thing and it's always not a good thing when I do things. So my hair was getting really long and I'm, I'm going to Saratoga next month with Berkeley. And I was like, I don't even know if my hair will fit in my helmet. So I'm going to get a haircut. And then I decided I was going to get one of those undercuts where you like shave the back of your head to like halfway. And the lady did like, I mean the kid, she's like 20. She did like this cool kind <laughs> of design on it, but I keep rubbing the back of my head. I'm not really sure how I feel about it. And of course I did this now where I'm like, wait a minute, how am I going to put all my hair in my helmet? Because I usually, I'm just a, I'm a low ponytail, then flip it kind of helmet putter on her. And I realize now that I don't have any hair back there. 
But that um, will still work. Yeah, that will still think, work. And actually, it probably feel better with it yeah. being so short. Yeah. I, and I'm so, so my question that. is, for the first time in my life, I actually don't know if this is your rose or thorn. I don't really know either. So that's, that's okay. just... <laughs> I'm still confused. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know yet. Like, like, I like it. Like, I'm glad I did it. But now, like, I have this itch to like shave my whole head. No, no, no. That will be your thorn. (laughs) I like kind of really want to do it. But also like, I just spent, you know, 200 bucks coloring the rest of it. So I feel like I gotta, I gotta wait it out a little bit. No, but that will be your thorn. If you shave your whole head, you're already freaking out about half your head shaved. Yeah, but it would feel really cool, I think. I, I mean, it might be really cool, but I'm just saying, for a person that's freaking out about half her head shaved, you probably don't want to go all the way. Yeah, that's probably right. I also have a really round face, so I'll probably look like a basketball. <laughs> She's thinking this is not the person that, like, if you were like, this is super cool, I love this look, and then you're like, and I might go all the way, fine. But you're freaking out that it might not be the look. And now you're like, I'm just going to go all the way. I'm like, I don't think that that's how it goes. Well, yeah, maybe I'll do Maybe I'll do like a mohawk or something when I get oh my really goodness. Well, I would well, learn from this experience and not do anything more extreme. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're thinking this might be a thorn, I probably wouldn't go more than this. Well, OK, so the real thorn is that the girl that did my hair just didn't do it very well. So it doesn't look great. So I'm going to a barber tomorrow to get it fixed, which I've never been to a barber before in my life. So I'm like, is that going to be weird that I'm oh, like walking? No. Like, I feel I like gonna this be... is going to get worse. Yeah. I'm like, do I just, I was like, do I just have Matt shave the rest of the back of my head No. Like, and just shave off the design? You know what I mean? So I don't know. I'm, I'm indifferent. Uh-oh. I mean, I'm really excited because I'm like, it's not going to get stuck on necklaces anymore. You know, but I told Matt that he had to hurry up because I want long hair in my wedding photos. So I told him that now he has to wait for it to grow out. So I think he's excited that I've given him more, more time. But you have long hair. Yeah, but now I don't because it's not you long do. in the back. It is long yeah. in the back. Well, I have to cover it. Like I couldn't well, do I mean, like Were you up- going to put your hair up in the wedding photos? I have no idea. Because now if you let that whole thing grow out, you're talking about, like, multiple years. Yeah, that's probably how long it's going to take anyway. Let's be real. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're going on, like, year six. Like, I ain't getting any younger. So I'm you're going to go on, like, year 25? Yeah. Okay. I'm, or, no, I'm, I yes, I'm 25. He's almost 30. No, I meant year 25 plus the six. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so then I guess that's kind of my rose is like I did something new and exciting with my hair. I'm just not sure if I like it yet. So my my rose is that I was adventurous. My thorn is that so Batman, my Rainer, has become my official problem child. Oh, um, no. We're about no injuries and in turnout, but got his hocks done. And then so he was inside for two days or whatever. And then I wrote him and he was great. Like I was super happy. And then he got to go out that night and then he comes back in and I'm like, why is your foot covered in blood? <laughs> and so I'm, I'm cleaning it off and he got like a six millimeter cut, like right between his uh, fetlock and his pastern. Oh. Um, 
And it, luckily there was no like joint interference or anything. I did have to take him up to Cornell for stitches and x-rays and stuff. And it went straight down to the bone, but it was really clean and it, it's healed up now. Um, you know, stitches are gone. So he's, he's happy about that. But the, <laughs> about two days ago, he didn't want to eat his dinner. So he was a little colicky and I, I gave Banamine and we were walking him and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm watching this horse walk and he's lame. <laughs> oh God. Oh no. <laughs> so I just spent all this money on Hawks and I just like, he's still lame. And for those of you who don't know, like I've been battling this lameness with him on and off for like two years now because he has really bad arthritis because he showed really hard in the fraternities as a two year old. And don't get me started on that soapbox. So I've, I've bit the bullet and I've made an appointment, um, for a lameness exam at Cornell. And I'm hoping we can kind of find the source of the problem and maybe do some kind of shockwave. I mean, I've injected stifles, I've injected hocks, I've done, um, Adequan, I do chiropractor every three months. I, I mean, he's just, he's bleeding me dry. That's why I, that's why oh, I have to shave him because I can't yeah, afford no to joke. Keep, I have to sell my hair is this <laughs> Oh God, horses. So anyway, so that would be my thorn is just Batman in general, because, and my mom was like, well, maybe he's just, you know, you know, he won't be sound. And I'm like, oh man, that like would suck so bad to, you know, have a horse of his talent and work ethic. Like, I mean, that horse, like even three-legged lane wants to work like so badly. And he's, and he's 13 or excuse me, 14. Like this should be the prime of his life and not, you know, the end of his career. Right. Um, so I'm just, I'm super disappointed and cranky about it, but so that's why I shaved my head. I was cranky and I shaved my head. I did. I, I literally had half a Britney Spears moment that just happened. I'm realizing that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, at least you only did the bottom half. <laughs> yeah. At least you, hopefully your life is going better than mine. <laughs> um, uh, we'll go with slightly. So I'm, um, I'm literally a, like from today, a week out from going to whack and I've had nothing but terrible rides for the last week. I don't know what I'm doing that. I'm just like falling apart. So now I'm like, it's all I can think about. I'm like wigging out and, uh, I broke my reins yesterday and I have to, so I just bought an expensive new pair of reins. Like I keep trying to fix them and they, I just, I needed to buy the new reins and Mikey, I have no idea what he did. I think he did this in his stall, just like ripped open his leg. So he's just going to have this long, <laughs> long, ugly, gross, scabbed. Ho- hopefully it's scabbed by next week. Like, so I'm right there with you, Ellie. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not to the point where I'm going to shave my head yet. But um, <laughs> literally from today, today is the marker. I'm one week out from going to work. And I just can't even tell you the last time I've had a good ride on my horse. I... It's me. It's like I'm all in my head and now it's all I'm thinking about. And I keep telling my husband, like, I wake up every day and I'm like, today's the day I'm going to have a good ride. And all I need is like one good ride and I'll feel better about it. But then I don't. And then, of course, Mikey, I don't know what he did. I think he did it in his stall, actually. But he just like tore open his right front leg. And it's not terrible. You know, it's like all superficially sound, but it just looks so ugly so it'll just scab over in time to go to this horse show and just look ridiculous. Buy some of the the show paint, the shapely stuff. I've never I've never done that, but maybe oh, it's great. Is it good? Oh yeah, because he 
Okay. So Shapely makes it. Yeah. Like once it scabs over, it'll be in the color that you want of your horse. So you just go by the chestnut color. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. We did that all the time when we ho- horses had poop stains, just spray them white. <laughs> <laughs> the lazy yeah, way, exactly. way out, but I love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, okay. That's, that's good news, but yeah, yeah. I need to, Tomorrow I'm going to ride in the morning and I told Alex, like, if it goes as poorly as it's been going, then I'm just going to give him two days off and I like need to reset my brain, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is sometimes like taking a couple days off, like will literally like reset you, get you back focused and then you can like start fresh. Yeah. So hopefully say a prayer for me, but now, now I'm going to be Googling like where I can pick up some of this show paint. Oh, anywhere. You can get it at the show. Trail you can get it. <laughs> Do you trail ride, Mikey? Like, can you go for a trail ride and just kind of do something like no pressure just to kind of drop it both of you? I would love to do that, but it's everything. All the trails are soaking wet mosquito nightmares after the hurricane. You know what I mean? This is like the worst time of year to try to go do that. Yeah, He wouldn't like that that very much. Yeah. No, we'll both just be eaten by bugs and be like disgustingly sweaty from the muggy. You know what I mean? It's just not the bright. We did a couple of trail rides the last couple of weeks, but after the horse show, I just cannot. I think he's just tired of seeing me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not riding him any more than I normally would, but, like, every day the ride has a purpose, you know? And we're drilling the same thing over and over again because I'm riding the hunters, you know? So I tried, last week, I tried, like, putting the dressage saddle on for two days and, like, focusing on some more collected flat work and that did help but i don't know i hate the hunters i think that's part of my problem is because it's never in my brain like we're making progress never like where i want it to be (laughs) you know what i mean so and then today he was just like mad at me you know what i mean he's like stop nitpicking me is i think he just had it yeah so and i don't blame him i'm an awful person right now i would hate me too so (laughs) no i think i think the plan of like you know, going and riding in tomorrow and trying to reset before your ride. And if it doesn't work, then doing like a hard reset of like giving it some time off. And you still have plenty of time before the war show. And in that sense, then you can kind of reset then. Exactly. Yeah. So he's, um, he's like, wanna... he's getting body work on Thursday. So it was like, I have, I know that's my day that he's going to get off. And then, yeah, perfect. If the ride yeah. goes poorly on Wednesday, then I'm also going to give him Friday off. Yeah, give him Thursday, Friday, and be like, look, I'll see you on Saturday, dude. Yeah, and well, then try again. Yeah, do an for exercise sure. he's really good at. Like, what? Do an exercise he's really good at that'll make him, like, feel confident. Usually see, that's what that... I tried to do today, and it just wasn't, it wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> then just ride him on a drape and just say, if I don't fall off today, it's good. <laughs> that's kind of sometimes well unless on his defense i don't normally really ride this time of year like yeah i go out around but it's just so hot that he you know he's very dull is how my he's kind of just yeah like it takes a lot to get him moving in a way that is like at all remotely motivated and productive Um, and then because it's hot, I have, you know, and he's not a good sweater. I have like a short window to try to get things done too. So I just think overall, like we're both just sick of each other. And I don't, I feel like that's an awful way to go into a horse show, you know? No, you're getting it all out now. You know, he's going to get body work and then, uh, you know, just, you know, give him a breather or show up and just give him an apple and leave. And then yeah. I think it'll be fine. 
Okay. He is very much the type, like, when we go, we go away, he's better. You know what I mean? So I'm oh, not, for like, sure. I'm not that worried about the actual horse show, but I just feel bad. Like I I'm, need something better to get myself motivated to get to the horse show. Right. Like it just sucks when I can't, I'm like not feeling the feel that I know I like, this is what I need going into the horse show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not, no, I'm not sure. producing that at home. And then I feel bad for him. Cause then I know I'm, I'm a jerk. So he's like, don't take it out on me, man. You know? And I, I don't blame like, him because well, I'm just miserable to yeah. be around when I can't nail it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm frustrated and then he's frustrated with me about that. So no, for sure. It's all just feed him, freaking spoil him, give him lots of cookies. And then they don't hate you anymore. I've yeah. bribed my way out of many a frustration. Right. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Here, but he sure. wants apples. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a good idea. I'll keep bribing him. But yeah, I'm going to give him the two full days off and then we'll just see. Because then I'm hoping after that I could just do a couple of light rides and then it then it's time to go. You know what I mean? Then you're fine. For sure. So Yeah. Don't stress. You're not going to learn anything or fix anything in a week, you know? Just go with what you got. You guys have already been successful. So just kind of say we're at where we're at and just enjoy it. Mm. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. That's what my rose <laughs> eye roll, I can hear. I can hear the eye roll over. Right. <laughs> oh, fine. It's funny because I'm not normally a person who gets like worked up about a horse show. You know, like normally I go, I'm like, all right, I'm ready. This is gonna be fun. But this one, I don't know. I think it's just because um it's one, it's expensive. Two, it's been a lot of work to keep my horse in work this time of year. You know what yeah. I mean? So I just feel like I've put so much more effort into this over the last two months of being there every day doing like with something to do, whether I'm riding or not, there's like always stuff to do to be, to get him ready for this. Like even just keeping his skin when he's not trying to impale himself on something like in good condition in the summer in Florida, like I'm trying to stay on like on top of the rain rot, you know, before it becomes rain rot. Like it just all of it. It's been it's been yeah. an ordeal. It's always something. <laughs> so I think that's why I'm so in my brain now where I'm just like, OK, it's finally here. And I feel like everything was going well to this last week. And now it's all falling apart. I think it'll be OK. I think you'll literally just in the next couple of days, you'll know if it's the right thing. Just tell me I'm being dramatic and like I need a glass of wine. <laughs> I feel like maybe that's that, what I need here. <laughs> I think also I think you're gonna know in a couple days, like if it's the right decision. You know, I think you're gonna know once he gets the body work and once he gets all of that and once the two days happen, then you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I think so I too. I think once I get there, everything will settle, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's both my rose and thorn. Yeah, at the same time. So, guys, we got a question from Caitlin in the Facebook group. I guess she feeds at her local barn, and she got an, a text from her barn owner saying that they had changed her start time from 8 a.m. to 7.30. Um, but I guess she texted her at, like, 6.45 at night the day before it was happening, you know, and she was out with friends for drinks, and she didn't check her phone till after 9.30. And she's wondering if she's you know, a bad person for feeling annoyed that there wasn't more nervous or excuse me, more notice. You know, she asked if it was just 
a day thing or if it was like from now on. Um, and I guess it's for the rest of the summer. And I guess she's just really annoyed because she wanted more of a heads up and she's got a four year old and, you know, seven thirty is very different than eight for her. Um, it basically means that she doesn't have any morning relaxation time. So she wanted to know kind of what advice we would have for her. Well, I think like communication is key in the barn and that's what we try to like work on every day. Right. Cause it's always a challenge in any sense. And so I think that going forward, you know, I would just talk to the barn owner and be, or, you know, whoever you're supposed to talk to and be like, look, like when I signed on eight o'clock when I said was what I could do because of the kid, you know, I understand seven 30 because of the summer hours and stuff like that. And just kind of express your concern with the person and say, look, like I just would appreciate more of a heads up. Like I'd appreciate, you know, just some communication and not last minute. Like I understand you looked at the weather I'm assuming this is probably what happened, right? You look at the weather, it's going to be hotter. So you're like, look, our days need to change. And so maybe that's something that they've done in the past. I know that our summers, when they start to get hot, we move forward. And so maybe, you know, playing devil's advocate, maybe she just didn't notice that this was the week it turned into what they, you know, their deadline of wanting to move up forward so they can get stuff done and be in the better thing of the horses in the middle of summer. So maybe I would just talk to her and be like, look, like, is there a way, like if there's a bunch of people at the barn and you're not the only person, like maybe she doesn't mind you come at 740 or 7:45 or eight, or maybe it is definite at 7:30. Like I would just have a conversation with her because that's how I find that most people like in person or on the phone, not via text. So it doesn't get kind of misconstrued, but I think that talking to person and kind of working it out through that seems to be the best. Like, and just explaining your situation, she'll explain, you know, whatever it is, if it's not weather or whatever the situation is, and maybe you guys can come to an agreement and figure out what it is. And so that it can make your, cause I know in the mornings it is nice to spend time with the kids and stuff. So I would just talk to her and figure it out. Honestly, that seems to work the best with us. It's like, I'm sure she's an open person that you can talk about it and hopefully figure it out to be something. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I mean, I can totally, I think it's totally understandable to be like put off by this. Like I would be pissed, but you know, if you find, if you have a conversation with this person and not just text back and forth, there's probably a reason and there's probably a way to work it out. You know? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know it was going to be 95 tomorrow. Like we need to start at 745 or 730 or whatever it is. And you're like, I didn't think about it, you know, and like it just it's not a good excuse, but it's sometimes the only way that it just happens that you look at it and it's 630 and you just didn't know that, like, look, it's going to be hot all week. It's not changing. It's breaking and we have to start earlier or whatever it is. But I think talking to them seems to be the best in person or on the phone that you can resolve it, because I think she's probably annoyed at the weather or whatever it is anyways. And she's like, Oh, I have to start earlier too. So she's like, everybody has to. So I think talking about it would be the best situation. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, I mean, for me, like, I'm not going to lie as somebody who doesn't have kids. I, I was like, ah, it's 30 minutes, you know, that's not a big deal, you know? But then I realized, no, it, it really is. Like if you, especially if you find out the night before, you know, your, your plan changes and I'm a big routine person. So I understand how like that, you know, half hour change that's huge. So 
yeah, I understand that. And I, I think that uh, Jess and Justine both gave really good advice. So if you have a question for us and you want us to answer it on the air, you can always send us an email at hello at heelsdownmedia.com. Or you can post in our Facebook group, which is the Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. If you want to hear more from us, you should subscribe to the Heels Down Spark, our daily email newsletter. You can do that by going to bit.ly slash spark by HD. We want to say thank you to our partners this week, Eagle Gold and Soap for Dirty Equestrians. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>